Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Every so often, we all need a little encouragement, some words to capture our mind, engage our heart and enliven our spirit. And that's my intention with this podcast. It's an opportunity for you to take a few minutes out of your busy day and listen to what I hope is thought provoking and empowering content. Each week, my guests and I share stories, challenges and vulnerabilities, as well as tips and insights on a whole range of topics all with the aim of helping us to live in a more soulful, authentic and integrated way. So thank you for tuning in. Let's jump into this week's episode. This week, I'm exploring a theme that tends to underpin a lot of the work that I do, and that's good old self-confidence and self-belief. Most of us, if we are honest, would like to feel more confident more of the time, or at least in some situations. It takes a degree of self-awareness and even vulnerability to admit that. Certainly in my own life, there are plenty of occasions when I'd like to feel more confident, whether it's walking into a room of people I don't know, meeting a senior manager in a new organisation, or finding myself outside of my comfort zone. When I work with coaching clients, confidence tends to raise its head quite a bit. With life coaching clients, it might be because the person is seeking to rebuild their self-confidence after suffering a few setbacks, some challenging situations in their work or home life. It might be because they are seeking to instigate change and they want to feel more confident in making decisions. It might also be because they find themselves in a new position, like a recently promoted manager, and they want to feel more confident in their own abilities. Wearing my interview skills coaching hat, probably 90% of the people I work with helping them prepare for interviews are seeking to feel more confident walking into their interview. They want to lean out of old habits of worry and anxiousness around their pending interview and into a greater sense of self-belief or self-confidence. A similar sentiment is at play when I'm working with people on the topic of presentation skills. They want to feel more confident standing at the top of the room so that they can deliver their presentation or talk with certainty. So in this week's episode, what I've done is trawled everything I have on confidence building strategies, and I've pulled them together into a bit of a menu for you. 10 ways to boost your self-confidence. Some may be familiar, others might be new. Some are simple and you may discount them. But my invitation to you is to try them out, road test them and see what works for you. As I said a few weeks ago on the episode all about managing our fears, our mind is like a house. Our thoughts and our thoughts are like the tenants. And so much of what I'm sharing this week is to help you become a more vigilant landlord when it comes to the sort of thoughts that make a home in your mind. For me, I view confidence as a habit. As humans, we are habit forming creatures. In the same way that we have behavioural habits, we also have thinking habits. We have habits about how we think about ourselves and what we're capable of, and habits about how we think about certain situations. To change a habit, we have to consciously think about a situation or think about ourselves differently. So that's my intention this week, to give you some food for thought, as the saying goes, stir up your thinking when it comes to your habits of thinking about self-confidence and self-belief. Before I jump into the tips on boosting our self-confidence, it's important to contemplate just for a moment, well, what exactly is confidence? 
How do we define it for ourselves? If we want more of anything, in this case confidence, it's logical to contemplate what that means to us. Well, dictionary definitions of confidence include the feeling or belief that one can have faith in or rely on someone or something. So self-confidence is the feeling or belief that we can rely on or have faith in ourselves. I like this angle because I know I can be in situations where I don't feel confident, but I can trust myself that I'll give it my best shot. This definition of faith in myself reminds me that self-confidence is an internal thing. It has nothing to do with other people or how others might view us. Another definition of self-confidence is a state of being clear-headed, either that an hypothesis or prediction is correct or that a chosen course of action is the best or most effective way. I like this sense of clear-headedness because for me that is the opposite of overthinking, which is what we tend to do when we drift into the space we might label lack of confidence. The more clear-headed I am, the, the naturally more confident I will feel. You've heard me speak before about the origin of the word confidence from the Latin word fidere, if I'm pronouncing that right, F-I-D-E-R-E, which means to trust or to have faith in. Therefore, having self-confidence is having trust in oneself. Remember, too, that if we are pondering the topic of confidence, if we are seeking to feel more confident more of the time, it tends to be because we are caring people, we are connected with our feelings. One of the main underlying causes of our perception of lack of confidence is that we spend a great deal of our time thinking about what other people think about us. To do this requires empathy, the skill of being able to put ourselves into other people's shoes. But of course, too much empathy and we drift into excessive people pleasing and trying to be all things to all people all the time. Often it is not about boosting the confidence in self-confidence. It's putting the self back into the self-confidence equation, parking our over-attention on others and looking within, referencing ourselves and our inner wisdom. So let's jump into the 10 tips I want to share with you this week, 10 strategies and distinctions for boosting our feelings of self-confidence. Tip number one is recognising that confidence is not the same as being comfortable. Most people think that they will feel confident when they are comfortable doing something. And this can be true. If you have been working in your job for a few years, you can be confident in your abilities and comfortable and confident dealing with work-related issues. It is perfectly normal to feel uncomfortable or less than certain in unfamiliar situations. Most people experience nerves when they are going somewhere they haven't been before or when meeting someone new. This brings us into the territory of stepping outside our comfort zone. When I illustrate comfort zone, I see it as a series of expanding circles. The zone immediately outside of our comfort zone, that space where we feel safe and in control, is the fear zone, where we are self-conscious, where we fear the negative judgment of others. This is quite natural because our defence mechanism has kicked in, the inbuilt functionality of the brain that monitors our safety not just physical safety, but psychological safety. In other words, we're asking ourselves, is it safe for me just to be myself here? So if the feeling of confidence is not the same as feeling comfortable, these questions are worth reflecting on. How can I be more comfortable when I'm outside of my comfort zone? How can I trust in myself a little more when I'm in a new or unfamiliar situation? How can I reframe self-consciousness into an opportunity to have just a little bit more faith in myself. 
Tip number two is to set ourselves a confidence boosting goal or target. And you might think, well, this is typical for a coach like myself to bring goal setting into it. But one of the best ways to boost confidence is to decide to take a specific action so that we can gather evidence that proves that we have every right to be confident in ourselves and our abilities. It might be doing something that you've not done before and you may feel a little scared doing it, but that's the test. When you act in spite of nervousness or self-doubt and remember it's not about doing something rash or reckless, you are doing it as a building block of self-confidence. In the past, one of the things I did to boost my self-confidence was to ask more questions at talks or meetings I attended. I would try to come up with something logical to ask, but the main reason I was doing it was to build my self-confidence. I wanted to be someone who could ask questions in such forums. That doesn't mean my hand wasn't shaking when I raised it, but I felt proud of myself afterwards because I acted in spite of my perception of lack of confidence. Of course, what gets us to take action, to reach for something new, to try something, even though we're scared, what gets us to do that? Well, we might think it's confidence, but it's not. It's courage. And at the close of this week's episode, I'm going to share a segment of my new book, Words to Inspire. That's all about courage. But for now, let me say that from my experience, most of the time when we are seeking to feel more confident, what we are actually seeking is courage. Just think of the analogy of learning to drive a car. Is it logical to feel confident when getting behind the wheel of a car for the first time? Well, no, unless you're a joyrider and then your recklessness and irresponsibility is a danger to yourself and others. What gets us behind the wheel of a car is courage. Courage in the pursuit of a goal. You know, with the car analogy, it might be the freedom of independent travel. As you put in the work and the miles, your comfort zone expands. When we exercise our courage, our confidence also expands. So courage comes first. Confidence is the payoff. But I'll speak more about this at the close of this week's episode when I share a little extract from my new book, Words to Inspire. Tip number three is about doing less of something, and that's comparing ourselves to others. So it's about eliminating comparisons. If you're in the habit of putting other people on pedestals, you know, saying things like, I wish I was like them, or why can't I be more like them? What we are doing is putting the boot into our own levels of self-confidence. It is one thing to admire someone and ask yourself, what can I learn from them? It's quite another to compare ourselves to them. The only comparison that is ever valid is between where you feel you are now and your own potential. Most of the time when we are making comparisons, we are comparing what we feel on the inside with what we see on the other person's outside. And most of the time we don't know what it is that they're feeling. So don't compare their show reel, which are behind the scenes, their curated social media feeds with what you see in the mirror. Comparison is not only the thief of joy, it's also the thief of self-confidence. Tip number four is a favourite of mine, and it's about acknowledging our strengths. When we are lacking self-confidence, we're focusing on what we believe are our weaknesses. A great way to boost self-confidence is to make a list of our strengths, the things that we're good at, our talents, aptitudes, personal qualities. Indications of strengths can be things that we enjoy doing or things that we've been complimented on. So my invitation for you, perhaps after listening to this week's episode, you know, is to take a few moments to write out or mentally note some of your own strengths. My favourite way of defining strengths is seeing our strengths as those activities or attributes that make us feel strong on the inside, that make us feel most ourselves. 
So perhaps taking this approach and identifying your strengths, everything that makes you feel strong on the inside, just think for a minute what might be on your list, what might be top of your list. Tip number five, the halfway point in our strategies for boosting self-confidence is to accept compliments. We're so bad at doing this. I don't know if it's an Irish thing. We all know the sayings, you know, don't get a big head, don't put your head above the parapet, self-praise is no praise and so on. We get compliments all the time, but most of the time we don't acknowledge them or let them in. A genuine compliment is a gift, a gift that boosts our self-confidence. Let me just stay open to receiving them. So rather than brushing them off, can I just say thank you? The other person who is genuinely offering you a compliment is offering you a gift, a token that boosts your self-confidence. So let's be gracious enough to receive it. Tip number six is putting on the uniform of confidence. This is another favourite of mine. It's something I often share with when I'm coaching presentation skills clients and sometimes interview clients as well. But it's applicable across the board. It's all a bit body language. When we are confident, we tend to walk tall, sit tall, our shoulders are back, our eyes are looking around instead of looking down at ourselves when we're nervous. And we tend to breathe more deeply. Our body language is more open, so no folded arms or crossed legs. The interesting thing is that by purposely putting on this uniform of confidence, you're not only communicating to others that you're confident, you're also influencing the sort of thoughts you're having in your own head. Our thoughts influence our body language, but our body language also influences our thoughts. So how about forging a new habit of body language? In the short term, this might feel like we're faking it until we make it. But over time, when does a new habit of body language simply become second nature? Initially, it is something that we have to do purposefully, then it becomes more automatic. We're training ourselves in the body language of confidence. And remember, all new habits require conscious effort and will feel strange at first. We exhibit body language all the time. So with this tip, we're just being a little bit more purposeful with it. Now, speaking of something we do all the time, which is breathing, tip number seven is about more purposeful breathing. You'll have heard me speak about this before, most recently on the episode around managing our fears. You know, we know when we are nervous and anxious, our breath is high and fast. Or if you're like me, you tend to have that sense of holding your breath. With this tip, we are doing the opposite of what our body wants to do. We purposely breathe more slowly and lower in our body, filling up our lower lungs as well as our upper lungs. Breathing both calms us down and it also makes us more alert because we're giving more oxygen to the brain. For me, this is usually the go-to tip when I'm feeling nervous or anxious and I'm looking to boost my levels of self-confidence because it's in tune with our innate wisdom. You know how when we are nervous or worried, maybe someone says to us or we say to ourselves, take a deep breath and off you go. Well, that's exactly what we're doing here, taking a deep breath. Our breath is our steady, always present friend. So let's make sure we turn to it, allow it to nourish us, calm us, and even if you pardon the pun, inspire us. Tip number eight. So we've looked at body language and we're more conscious about our breathing. Tip eight is about being more conscious about our language and the words we use. So we tend to forget that as we speak to others, we also hear the sound of our own voices. So a little bit more conscious of our own language is helpful here. If you're serious about boosting self-confidence, you have to cease talking yourself down. You know, those old sentiments like, I'll be no good at that, or that's just not me. You know, what we're doing is further ingraining a thinking habit that is no longer serving us. 
it's not about talking ourselves up or the situation up necessarily. It's just making sure that we're removing the negative language and the old stories that we keep repeating. Remember, confidence is a habit. Self-confidence is a habit of positive self-talk. We make huge progress when we simply cut out the negative self-talk. How will we know when we're talking ourselves down? We tend to feel bad and those negative feelings feel so bad because they run contrary to our true natures. It's that old adage of if the voice in our heads was personified into a boss, you know, they'd be the manager from hell. No one is tougher on us than we are on ourselves. So this tip is really about giving ourselves a break, showing plenty of self-compassion. And a great place to start is to stop the talking ourselves down. So we're almost in the home stretch. Uh, Tip number nine is a lovely little frame, a little uh, triad of coaching techniques that I find very useful. I call it worst, best, likely. So we know fear is a powerful emotion. It can paralyze us at times of crisis. It can cause us to lash out in anger at inappropriate times. It will cause us to hide at a time maybe when we want or need to be visible. And as I've discussed before, we cannot get rid of fear. We just need to make sure that we control it rather than it controlling us. When fear has gripped us, when we're focusing on the worst outcome, that this is also what we're doing when we're lacking in self-confidence. So this point is really all about broadening our perspective. How can we view the situation differently? Well, if we shine a light on the situation by asking ourselves what is the worst that can happen, we're looking at it head on and it can diminish its power over us. You know, when when we look at our fear and are brave enough to look at our fear, it often diminishes. I spoke about this in more detail a few episodes back. But if we're asking ourselves, well, what's the worst that can happen? Why not follow it with, well, what's the best that can happen or what's likely to happen? At least now we're covering all angles. I've often found it so strange that we simply get stuck into the habit of thinking about the worst outcome. With this tip, we're not being naive or avoiding reality. We're just ensuring that our thinking is not limited or one-sided. So the next time you're worried about something, remember you're focusing on the worst outcome. Let's ensure our thinking is balanced by following that with the best outcome and what's likely to happen. At minimum, it stretches our thinking, and that's always a good thing. This ties in with the concept of visualisation. Visualisation is the movies we play in our heads. We will often visualise the worst outcome when we're tossing and turning in bed, perhaps the night before something important. Why not visualise the best outcome? Visualise yourself in the situation, behaving and feeling as you would like to behave and feel. By visualising, you're creating a blueprint, a map you can follow when you're in the situation for real. Remember, the unconscious mind is a powerful tool and visualisation is a way of harnessing it. Our final tip is one that is about boosting other people's self-confidence. And this might sound counterintuitive, but from my experience, when we feel we're lacking in self-confidence, we're very much wrapped up in ourselves and how we believe others might be viewing us. It is always useful to remember that people are more concerned about their own issues and how they feel they are perceived to be thinking too much about us. Equally, when we turn our attention to other people, uh, we're, we're focusing on how to help them and how to make them feel better. Uh, when we give away what we are seeking, it often comes back to us in spades. So by making others feel a little better about themselves, we feel better too. When we share words of encouragement with others, we hear those words too. So that's our 10 tips. 
Uh, before I share an extract from my new book, Words to Inspire, all about confidence and courage and how we tend to confuse the two of them, let me do a quick recap on those 10 tips. The first one was recognising that confidence is not the same as being comfortable. Tip number two is to set ourselves a little confidence-boosting goal or target. Number three is eliminating comparisons. Tip number four was acknowledging our strengths, remembering my definition of strengths as everything that makes us feel strong on the inside. Tip number five was to be gracious enough to accept compliments. Number six, to put on the uniform of confidence. Remember that one all about body language. Tip seven was more purposeful breathing, especially breathing deeply when nerves or worry takes hold. Uh, Tip number eight uh, was being more conscious of the language we're using and in particular, cutting out the negative self-talk. Tip number nine was that little frame of the looking at the the worst head-on and then following it up with what's the best outcome and what's likely to happen. And then our final tip was focusing on boosting the self-confidence of the people around you because what we give away comes back to us. So I'm going to close this week with an extract from my new book, Words to Inspire, and it's from a chapter titled Courage, And I'll follow it by sharing a few closing reflection questions as well, all designed to to stretch our habitual thinking when it comes to self-confidence and self-belief. So here's a little bit from my new book, uh, Words to Inspire, and the chapter is Courage, and it opens with a little quote, when confidence is absent, courage takes over. When we think we are seeking the elusive quality of confidence, most of the time what we're actually after is courage. Confidence operates in the realm of the known, the safe and the certain. When we are stepping into the unknown, it's courage we want as our companion. Courage always requires a willingness to take a risk. Confidence does not. In the movies, courage is depicted in the midst of explosions and epic deeds. In real life, courage is not found in heroic feats. We search for courage when we are alone with our thoughts and struggling with uncertainty. In those moments, when without fanfare or applause, we make a decision, we draw a line in the sand and say no more, or we quietly yet resolutely decide to give it a go, that's when we find our courage. That's the thing with courage. It doesn't require us to wait until we feel better about ourselves or our circumstances. Even when we are lacking in confidence and riddled with self-doubt, we can still choose to act. We may never feel confident attending a job interview, delivering a presentation, starting a business or going on a first date, but we can use what scares us to awaken our courage. The root of the word comes from the Latin core, meaning heart. So when we act courageously, we put our heart into it. We are courageous when we follow a cause or a calling despite our fear tugging at us. We are courageous when in a shaky voice we reveal our vulnerability. We are courageous every time we take a leap of faith. We are courageous when we swallow our fear and express what's in our heart, even though we don't know how our honesty will be received. We are probably far more courageous than we think. We demonstrate courage frequently, but we seldom acknowledge it. We may not be scaling mountains or performing valiant acts, but we deal with challenges and brush up against our fears every day. Never forget it takes courage to raise a hand, to speak up, to say I'm sorry, to ask for help, to volunteer, to talk face to face, to go it alone, to change jobs, to retrain, to go to a doctor, to decide to spend more time with family or to cross the door of a gym. Western culture celebrates fearlessness and bravado, not everyday acts of courage or simple bravery. 
if we were fearless and confident, courage would be redundant. It's courage that gets us to step outside of our comfort zone, despite our self-consciousness. Courage invites us to stretch in the direction of our potential and to live just a little larger. Like any muscle, the more we exercise it, the stronger it becomes. And courage is contagious. The more we choose courage, the more we encourage others to be a little braver. So that's an extract from my new book, Words to Inspire, and the chapter on it titled Courage. And to close this week, just a few more questions to to stretch our thinking in this area. Where have I confused confidence and courage? What if I'm actually braver than I think? In what ways, big and small, have I demonstrated courage in the past? What if I actually have all of the confidence and courage that I need right now? That's a deep one, that last question. So thank you, my friends, for tuning in. I hope this week's musings on the topic of confidence and my tips in the area um, are helpful. Um, And uh, until next week. Thank you for listening this week. If you enjoyed this episode and have a moment, please rate, review and subscribe if you haven't already. And maybe you'd like to share it with a friend too. For more information about me, James Sweetman, my coaching services, workshops, books, and for more podcast episodes, be sure to visit jamesweetman.com.